0: from KQED From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a wide swath of stressors: the pandemic, economic recession, wildfires, the upcoming election, racism, to name a few, are putting a major strain on people's mental health. Any one of those things can be enough to trigger stress, depression, and anxiety, let alone dealing with several at once. In this hour, we talk with experts from different disciplines about ways to cope with multiple concurrent stressors. Join us after this news. This is Forum, I'm Mina Kim. Just when many of us felt like we couldn't handle any more on top of the pandemic, a shaky economy, racist violence, a consequential election, We got a siege of lightning strikes that sparked hundreds of wildfires. For some, it's become a daily battle just to keep from shutting down. In this hour, we look at the impact of these multiple cumulative stressors and get advice for how to deal with the toll they're taking. And we want to hear from you. What's stressing you out these days? How has it been affecting you? How are you coping? We're joined by Emiliana Simon-Thomas, Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you, Mina. It's a delight to be here.
0: Also with us is Spring Washam, author of A Fierce Heart, Finding Strength, Courage, and Wisdom in Any Moment, a meditation teacher and co-founder of the East Bay Meditation Center in Oakland. Thanks for joining us, Spring
2: Washam. Thank you. Happy to be here this morning. Also with us is
0: Tracy Fust, Tracy Foos, psychiatrist with a focus on anxiety disorders and associate clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of California San Francisco School of Medicine. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Foos. And Tracy Foos, you're there. And we'll try yeah, Oh, to hi.
3: myself. <laughs> That's very common <laughs> with so Zoom. so much for having me today.
0: Well, thanks for being here. You know what? I'll start with you actually, Tracy Foos, if I could what do you hear most often from people that's causing them stress
3: well as you brought up earlier it's a it's a it's a list of things um there's really no one thing that's happening to us as a as a community right now that's causing people stress it's for most people who uh, are in my practice i would say it's the It's in the immediate. Um, It's the development of the fires and early fire season. Um, It's the context of the pandemic that's been going on. It's racial violence. It's the election. Um, And so it's really not any one singular thing.
0: And when so many things are operating together, how does that affect the nature of how we experience these things, our emotional states?
3: Well, I think it's what I would notice that these things have in common is a kind of um, cumulative uncertainty. So they're all stressors, they're all overwhelming, um, but none of them are particularly within any one individual's control. And so what we're seeing is a kind of cumulative stress of a particular kind of nature cumulative stress of things that we have no ability to predict and no ability to control at the individual level
0: spring and what i often hear from people these days is and have also felt myself is this sense of feeling depleted sometimes people describe it as feeling stretched or empty what are we depleted of do you think
2: yeah i think that's a really good question the depletion I think it's just that the uncertainty and it's sort of like we prepare for one thing and then we're ready for that and then there's another challenge, right? And then we prepare for that and then there's another challenge. And so I think a lot of this might be a sense of feeling almost compassion fatigue. You know, like there was recently another shooting of an unarmed African-American man. It's like, oh my God, how do we respond again? right? How many more tears are there? How many more? um, You know, what else can I write? And so I think we have to call on a deeper reserve within ourselves a kind of resiliency um, that comes from having hope, you know, that comes from a deeper place, we cannot rely on conditions outside of ourselves right now for support. We have to dig deep at this time.
0: And Emiliana Simon Thomas, I know that uh, that that's something that that you and uh, the Greater Good Science Center have really been thinking about in terms of res- resiliency, the need to try to to, as Spring Washam says, draw on a reserve, <laughs> to even build up that reserve. Can you talk a little bit, as well, about you know, kind of what you hear people describing as? In terms of what they're going through and ways that that they can maybe you know fill their bucket
1: yeah um i echo spring's characterization of what people are feeling it's similar to what we describe happening in in providers and essential workers who are facing uh, unprecedented degrees of challenge in their professional lives, teachers facing the same kinds of scenarios. And we're seeing increasing rates of burnout, right? This state of just feeling exhausted feeling disconnected and uh, hopeless or what some might call callous about the possibility of anything ever changing. Mm. At the Greater Good Science Center, we really focus on the importance of social connection in maintaining our well-being, the value that feeling like you're uh, part of a community, like you belong, like you have relationships where you feel like in these dire times you have people who support you, who are there for you, but also that you are the source of support for others um, has in terms of uh, affording us that kind of resilience that matters we know that being around others who we trust and feel comfortable with actually is restorative that this gives us a sense of comfort and safety that maybe we're so sorely lacking given all of the circumstances that we're facing these days so we really emphasize the prioritizing of interpersonal communication and connection even amidst the constraints that the pandemic is uh, is presenting for us so instead of Uh, being upset that you can't hang out with your friends at the local brewery. Is there a way to just really be intentional and deliberate about setting up times to talk with them on the phone or, uh, through video conference channels, uh, give it the same critical importance that you give other important appointments that you would make. Like I just had to take my car into the shop, so we should make that appointment and show up for it. We need to do the same for our social interactions.
0: Mm. It's so interesting, uh, Tracy Foose, when Emiliana Simon Thomas talks about the constraints that we're in. I mean, it really is one of the things that we often do when we are feeling this way is spend time around others. And this is really something that we haven't been able to do. Can you talk a little bit about how that sort of shaped the, the response? Tracy Foose, are you muted again, potentially?
3: Yes, I am. Thank you. I'm challenged on the mute button here today. Um, I I think that Emiliana makes such a a good point. I I like to remind people that we're all still animals and we are social animals. And one of the things that social animals need uh, to be well is social connection. Um, And so I think that uh, it's, it's important to think about what happens with the deficit of that social connection, that simply being isolated will raise levels of stress hormones in our body, like cortisol and and adrenaline, and simply the isolation will impact quality of sleep, even without the awareness of the stressful um, factors going on in individuals' lives, just that social isolation alone is a stressor.
0: And then on top of that, right, I feel like what I hear are people sort of judging themselves for not being able to deal with all of these things, especially this sense of like, I should be able to handle it, spring wash them. Other people have it so much worse than I do. I mean, are there ways that we're making it harder or worse for ourselves?
2: Well, I think here in the West, we make everything worse for ourselves by (laughs) adding in thousand levels of judgment on top how we are doing you know we think that maybe we should be have it all together if you're a parent you think i should be able to do this or uh you know i i can work for home i can do it all and there's so many balls you know in the air and again the uncertainty we don't have an end date you know we don't we don't know so many things so I think really right now for, for most people, what an ingredient that you could really cultivate right now is self-compassion. You know, just knowing that, you know, we're all kind of hanging on here and there's, and I know for myself, there's these days where I feel like I do have it all together. Like today was a great day. And then the next day it's like, oh no, you know, there's just chocolate and Netflix, you know, and I, and just knowing that you're going to have these waves that you're going to experience these highs and lows, that we need to have a lot of compassion. Um, Our emotions are really triggered. uh, We're activated. Um, We're, we're experiencing things that we haven't before. And so to really be gentle and not add on a whole bunch of expectations that you're gonna be perfect and you're gonna eat perfectly and you're gonna work 50 hours a week and you're gonna be great at homeschooling your kids. And and it may not happen. It may happen one or two days a week, but it may not happen five days. Um, And so we may need a moment to fall apart a little bit or take a break or pull out. And I think we need to just make space for that with each other and be really honest too when we need support. Like, hey, I can't do this right now. Can you come over? Can you help? Or can I call you? I think that's the other thing about our culture is we we sort of mask a lot of things we hide the -hmm. levels of stress that we really experience. We we put on that mask of I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And we're not. And um, I don't think that that's helpful right now. I think Really, it's a time to be very real with yourself, with our, our families, uh, and come together as a, like a more of a tribal culture, get support, build a better system than the kind of, I can do it alone, carry it all on my back. Um, it's too much for any one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need people to be together, and we need to be more real about what's happening
0: we're talking about how to cope with multiple stressors with Spring Washam, author of A Fierce Heart, Finding Strength, Courage, and Wisdom in Any Moment, and a meditation teacher and co-founder of the East Bay Meditation Center in Oakland. Also, Tracy Foos, professor of psychiatry at University of California, San Francisco, and Emiliana Simon-Thomas, science director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And we want to hear from you. What's stressing you out these days? How are you affected? How are you coping? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786 You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org I'm Mina Kim, stay with us. you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about ways the pandemic and everything else is affecting our mental health, and we're looking at ways to cope and build resilience with Tracy Foos, a psychiatrist with a focus on anxiety disorder. She's with the University of California, San Francisco. Spring Washam, a meditation teacher and co-founder of the East Bay Meditation Center in Oakland, and Emiliana Simon-Thomas, Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley. And we're talking with you, our listeners. Share with us what you're going through, what your questions are for our guests. The number again, 866-733-6786. The email address forum at kqed.org. And you can also reach us on Twitter and Facebook. And this listener writes, the immediate things causing me stress is people not wearing masks or wearing masks under their noses, Trump being president and the prospect of him being president for four more years, and a silence on part of White Friends about the continued shootings of black people. You know, one of the things um, that I could say to all of you uh, is that many people turn to you for support and advice. And uh, one of the things that uh, we were talking about just before the break uh, with Spring Washam was just the things that uh, she's been going through as well. And I wonder if you are willing to share what things or moments that have felt particularly stressful to you, um, if if you would be so willing, Dr. Simon Thomas.
1: Oh, thank you for that invitation. For me, Presently, I think the biggest challenge is feeling like I'm doing a good enough job as a parent. Uh, all three of my kids are distance learning. And while I'm extraordinarily lucky that all of my, my young ones are very independent, they love learning, they uh, get along as, as best as one could imagine given the circumstances, there are still times where I feel out of touch with what their schedules are like and and what they need to be doing. Uh, especially my second grader, who for now has 45 to minutes to an hour of daily instruction over Zoom, and really uh, has had to figure out how to do a lot of independent play with myself and my spouse working full time at the same uh, in the same moments of each day. Um, but You know, I'm going to draw from Spring's recommendation uh, about self compassion and the importance that comes from just giving yourself that same supportive inner voice that you would give a neighbor or a friend who might. Tell you that they're also struggling with this challenge. Uh, we're actually pretty good at supporting each other, but oftentimes adopt a much more critical inner voice towards ourselves, and um, this really just worsens the problem. If we're if we're going to engage in this enduring hypercritical self talk. Um, the feelings about being inadequate or insecure or just not accomplishing what we aspired out to accomplish or being able to solve the big problems that we're facing are are exaggerated and, and sustained. You know, I think at the Greater Good Science Center, we work hard to encourage people or provide resources and practices and exercises and activities uh, that enable a different emotional profile so instead of getting kind of lost in that downward spiral of negative self-talk or complaining or worrying or feeling anxious about all the things that could go wrong and i i want to honor the the um guests' uh, contribution where she spoke of the things that were stressing her out, we're all facing things that feel similar to that. Um, at the same time, it's there's some choice in the kinds of thoughts reflexive judgments that we're making in each moment. And if we have the possibility of engaging in a conversation with a friend where we ask about what's going well, we try to capitalize on the positive experiences that are still there. This is a way to just shift the balance a little bit and Bring yourself moments of levity, of enjoyment, of safety that, again, balance the scale so that you're not always in fight or flight mode. You're not always um, ready to run or fight, but instead, maybe you have this ability to think broadly and creatively about how you can engage with your community to take action against the forces that that are causing us so much stress.
0: I like that. I also like what you were saying earlier in terms of a strategy of how would you talk to yourself about what you're going through uh, if you were a friend. Um, because I think you're right. We, we are gentler with our, with our friends than we often are with ourselves. Let me go to Annie in Berkeley. Hi, Annie. Join us. Hi. Hi. You're Hello. on. Go right ahead.
4: Hi. Uh, yeah. I had two points. The first is more immediate. You know, one of stress, the stress relievers is physical. So can't exercise in the Bay area. We can't go outside at all. We can't go inside to a gym or closed space because of COVID. So that's normally a stress reliever and it's going to be a long time just even being able to do any kind of outside activity. Um, So that leads to stress and depression. And the second, which is a bigger, long-term thing is the economy and economics right now um you know unemployment and just the economy not knowing when things are going to get better and it could be a long time so those are kind of my, my my two points you know and especially just one last thing with the economy and jobs um and feeling the pinch on your family and yourself it it's bigger than just talking to your friends, right? It's just depression or stress or whatever that goes on for a while.
0: Yes, thanks, Annie. I mean, Tracy Foose, this uncertainty, the uncertainty of so much of the situation is really coming back again. And then the kind of anxiety that comes with economic uncertainty and all of that. What are your thoughts for ways to address that, um, what we're going through that's unique this time?
3: Yeah, I think what's unique about this situation that's really somewhat unprecedented is its global scale um, with regard to the pandemic and then the the duration of stress. So we have seen around the globe um, multiple examples of traumatic experiences that human beings have gone through, that populations have gone through. Um, But there's often a, a sense, looking back in history, well, this was the beginning of that trauma, this was the end of that trauma. And what we're in right now is what I would call trauma limbo, which is we're going through a lot of unresolved, unfinished, unclosed traumatic experiences, um and so we really are in the midst of not knowing what the world will look like when we're on the other side of this fire season when we're on the other side of what's going on with the economy or political climate or what's going on with race relations certainly in our country and around the globe or what's happening right now um, with regard to the fires in our community We're, we're in the midst of a great deal of uncertainty. And and to one of the guest callers' points, um, when we're usually managing this in in three basic ways, the connection to other human beings, physical activity, and what we might call meaningful, purposeful, uh, intentional activity, that kind of growth activity of, of solvable problems that we look for in our life and get on solving, all three of these arms of coping with stress are blocked off in various ways uh, in this particular traumatic experience that we're going through. So many of us actually can't go outside to exercise for a variety of reasons, um, pandemic and fires. We can't connect to other people for some of those same reasons. And these problems seem of such a scale that it makes it very difficult for us to look in front of us and find what feel like solvable, manageable problems to dig our teeth into. But if we accept that we really do need these three things for wellness, it requires of us some some pursuit of adaptation. How am I going to get physical activity? How am I going to get connection? And how am I going to break up what feels so out of control and uncertain and break it up into these kinds of solvable problems that I can chew on every day. And I think that is the task before us. Um, That's sort of the the inevitable path to wellness even during all of this uncertainty.
0: Well Matt writes, I'm an essential worker and I've been working crazy hours for the past few months. I'm just trying to save up as much money as I possibly can because no one knows what's coming next and it doesn't seem like there's any help on the way. I'm really feeling emotionally drained, not just tired or exhausted. Angela writes, I live alone, and the struggle to not wallow in depression, allowing fear to crush my spirits, is very difficult. I'm a very independent person, so asking for help was hard, but I have found two friends who are supporting me emotionally. It's a hard journey, but I'm finally feeling more resourceful, resilient, and hopeful. Kat writes, I find myself struggling daily with low-level anxiety and resentment when I pass others who are not wearing masks in situations where they should. Am I alone in this? Do you have any advice on how to cope mentally? I mean, one of the things Spring Washroom that Tracy Foose was bringing up was just how new this is. And I wonder, are there you know models uh you know ways of metaphors are good ways of understanding what we're going through that we can draw from while we're in this and and still not quite knowing how it plays out like i wonder you know are the are the stages of grief like a good model for helping us to understand and get through some of this or or useful in some way
2: yeah i mean i think that that's one way that many of us are coping, we are experiencing, or we have experienced. it seems like with this whole journey over the last uh, few months has hit people at different moments, right? There was the first wave, the second wave, right? And that can bring out different things. But I I think one of the bigger things that I just want to also put on the table is that, you know, we're in a situation, all of us, where we have to deal with our minds, And I think we're not a mindful country. We don't get taught mindfulness skills or emotional intelligence, right? These are not something that our culture has valued. But at the end of the day, that is the most important thing that we have is how we relate to our own mind. So developing some kind of mindfulness practice for people to understand the power of mindfulness-based stress reduction awareness, what feeds emotion, what uh, moves us in the right way. I think I'm hoping that out of all of this is that we become a much more mindful nation. Mm. We become a nation that understands what we think about manifest, how to work with our emotions, because we don't have our outlets, right? We might not be able to reach our therapist. We might be not in the same state as our family members. What do we do at the end of the day? It's us with our own mind and learning meditation, practicing mindfulness, learning how to work with our anxiety is something each of us is going to have to learn how to do at this stage. Um, There's really, we can go through the stages of grief, um, but we have to do it with mindfulness. Everything that we do now has to become, we have to become aware and awake. And, and and understand emotions and become much more emotional intelligent.
0: And what might be a first step to mindfulness, especially for someone who hasn't necessarily practiced it? Um,
2: yeah, before. I think that's a great. You know, that's a that's a really great thing. Right now, I'm doing a conference online with a Wisdom 2.0 conference, which is bringing together um, world leaders and community leaders and. How do we become wise right now? And the heart of it is meditation, the mindfulness-based stress reduction movement. Um, And I think there's so much available now as we, you know, mindfulness has moved more and more into the mainstream. It's moved into hospitals. It's moved into churches. It's something that you don't have to have a certain faith to practice. You can, you know, be a Hindu, a Muslim, a Christian. What we want to do is practice becoming aware and living in the present moment. This is, you know, it's like the gap right now we're in this high drama, high stakes reality show that feels never ending and it's amplified. Well, how do we turn that off for moments in our home and just feel our body connect? So I would encourage people to maybe think about using an online app or sitting for 10 to 15 minutes a day and reconnecting to your breath, your body, what is happening. We actually have much more power than we think we do. And Mm -hmm. I think that's gonna be a a, a really important teaching uh, for all of us as we go through this uh, collectively, globally. Um, But we, we need to learn how to be with ourselves fundamentally in a wise way. And so there's lots I could say about meditation as a meditation teacher and teaching Vipassana and different traditions. But I would tell the listeners um, to practice in the middle of the moment, turn everything off, sit down and follow your breath, turn the madness off. Mm. That's how we start to reconnect to ourselves again.
0: Well, I think that's a good start. Let me go to Karen in Oakland. Hi, Karen. Join us.
2: Hello. Uh, yes, I
4: I wanted to um, express my feelings around the issue of mental health. Um, my sister is severely mentally um, disabled. She is bipolar. And it seems like the situation with COVID and has exacerbated how I can help her and resources that were already difficult to get her into before COVID have seemed to disappear. And it's only added to my stress. I don't know how to handle the situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to help her and she's extremely angry. And at this point she's homeless. And I'm, I feel like the resources that were there before are not there anymore. And, um, I don't know what to do.
0: Well, Karen, thanks for sharing that and I, I'm sorry for what you're going through. I mean, Emiliana, Simon Thomas, you talked about, you know, wanting to help others and that being such a healthy thing. What do you do if you're in Karen's situation?
1: My goodness, if you're in Karen's situation, uh I wish I had a really systemic answer that uh, directed Karen to the resources that she absolutely deserves and should have access to, and it's heartbreaking that uh, we that I don't have that answer for her. Um, but what I can say is that Karen, um, it's of utmost importance for you to direct that lens of self-compassion towards uh, inwards at this time. Um, I hear you expecting yourself to be able to solve or tend to your sister's needs. I have a sister and three brothers, and in your situation, I would be wildly uncomfortable, um, devastated, and heartbroken about it. Um, I think in honor of what Spring was sharing, just to begin to manage your own feelings and put yourself into a foundational place where you may be able to continue the pursuit of identifying what resources might still be available, just having the energy and the motivation to go on can come from uh, noting what goes on when we are in this state of persistent distress and anxiety and what we know empirically is that feelings like anger and frustration and um feeling discouraged or hopeless that that a lot of these have cognitive consequences and the cognitive oh go ahead
0: yes please finish your thought we have 30 seconds
1: just the cognitive consequences can make us behave in ways that are not as fruitful as we'd like. Uh, and so bringing ourselves into a place where we feel content and capable is, is an important uh, strategy for being able to move forward, for being able to do something to help in the way that is most important.
0: Emiliana Simon Thomas is great with Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. We also have Spring Washam with us of the East Bay Meditation Center in Oakland and Tracy Foos of UC San Francisco's School of Medicine Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry and we'll have more with them and with you after the break. I'm Nina King. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about multiple, concurrent and cumulative stressors and how they're impacting the mental, physical, and emotional state of millions of Californians with a panel of experts from different disciplines and with you, our listeners. And let me go next to Chris in Oakland. Hi, Chris. Join us.
5: How are you? I wanted to uh, thank you guys for the conversation and the the, the comments about mindfulness are mm-hmm. well observed since I am. Uh, think like most of us struggling or when i can i'm trying to pay attention and be more mindful one thing i noticed immediately uh, after the shutdown um you know the other caller said can't go to the gym can't go outside can't go see your friends you know i i I row on a team that rows, i'm in a band that plays music can't do any of that stuff and i felt not selfish but i felt like i'm losing my freedoms you know the uh, these things that i'm free to do in my schedule that i've chosen for myself. I like to finish this, drive over there, go do that, finish that, go see somebody and then go home and sleep when I can, wh- how much I want, then do it again and be free to set my own schedule. You can't do any of that. And in real, it, it, it occurred to me that my perceived loss of freedom, which was making me antsy and selfish and upset, might be similar to what people that I really don't identify with politically, when they feel that their freedoms are being imposed on and they have this extreme mental emotional reaction to it. I think it's kind of the same thing. you know we all we all have we all crave this notion of our freedom as individuals and Americans to do what we want. And as soon as we lose it, I mean I was good for four or five days, and then I was crawling the walls and I felt like I was being imposed on
0: Chris, thanks so much for sharing that. and Tracy Foose, I have to say this what i feel like is sort of an undercurrent of what chris is talking about is is a loss of something and and loss of freedom is definitely one thing that i think is broadly shared can can you talk about that a little bit
3: yeah i love that term that it's a loss because i think we're managing a lot of um what i'd call loss stress and we at baseline have lots of stress in our life that we invite into our life any any willingness to move toward change to Um, go to school to purchase a home to have a baby to take on a new job is stressful and we might think of those as growth stresses and what the caller is describing are loss stresses meaning we're actually losing the ability to take things on or to continue to engage in things that are important for us Um, and I, I think that really on on from any perspective from any side of the political perspective, people are experiencing loss right now. That's a that's a, a definite shared experience and, and that loss of freedom is a biggie. Um, and I think one of the interesting things that's happening across the political climate or um, people experiencing different perspectives around the country as to what they've lost is that in order to in in order to move forward through a stress, through a traumatic experience, we need to accept that it's happening. We need to accept, you know, there is a pandemic. I did lose freedoms. There is structural racism. There are fires that are burning more and more every year. What's interesting that's happening to us as a country right now, is that as important as it is for us to accept and to have a kind of common acceptance of trauma, Um, we're, we're struggling to find a shared acceptance of reality right now. And so we're also struggling to find a shared acceptance of what we're feeling or what we're allowed to feel or when we're allowed to feel it or who is allowed to feel it.
0: Uh, Very interesting. I mean, we have Also points here about feeling anger. I mean, Pete tweets, it's time for a little anger, too. In times like this, we have to be mindful of not keeping anger bottled up. So add a little fierceness to your self-compassion. Miho Kim writes, can you actually respond to the questions about how to deal with resentment at those not wearing masks? I have some neighbors who get in other people's business and police others. I'm sure it's annoying for both sides to experience and I'd like to have disappointed you haven't answered this question yet directly. So so any thoughts on what we're going through and how to deal with this resentment that, that people have expressed? A couple of people have expressed at this point now about not wearing masks. Tracy Poos, any thoughts on that?
3: Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, that to ex- to accept an emotional experience and to be able to name it like that, to say, yes, I am feeling resentful and here is what is triggering the resentment. Um, and to our, uh, to allow ourselves to feel those emotions and to at least voice them to ourselves, even if we don't feel that we can be vulnerable and voice that resentment in our community or in our, um, online in our social network to say this is what i'm actually feeling this is what is triggering those feelings um and i think that it it helps us put some things into perspective what what spring was talking about using mindfulness and being aware of the way that our emotions dictate our choices and behaviors I think it helps to name these emotions so that we understand when we are, when we're internalizing responsibility for everything bad that's happening around us, like one caller is so internalizing her sister's plight and internalizing responsibility for for turning her sister's situation around. We have other callers who are feeling intense externalization of of responsibilities, this intense feeling of resentment, which is equally uncomfortable, feeling like if only people would would make healthier choices, would make more socially responsible choices, um, the world would look very different. And I think what, what Spring is alluding to is how helpful it is to find this middle ground of awareness of emotion and of acceptance of what we're feeling and of acceptance of what's triggering it and to really start to name these things for ourselves so that we can make very intentional choices about what we then do with those feelings, what actions we take.
0: Well, let me go to Jim next in San Francisco. Hi, Jim. Hi. Hi. What's on your mind? Thank
5: you. I... Worked in hospice from 81 to 87 during the horrible San Francisco AIDS situation. And one of the things that we were taught and learned to do to deal with our feelings and emotions were to speak out loud. Saying whatever it is that's inside of you out loud takes 50% of the pressure off of you. Hmm. If you can't speak out loud, write it out on a paper, on a booklet, on anything. Write down your feelings and emotions, because it does get 50% of it out, and you can make better sense of it, and you can go on with a better day. But to keep it all bottled in is like a hamster in a cage, and it stays in you, and it just makes you crazy.
0: Well, Jim, thanks for that advice. Uh, Danielle writes, as Patty Smith said in a recent interview, art strengthens you. When she had kids, she got up early in the morning to spend time writing before getting on with her day. I also find this to be true. Just spending one hour on something you love contributes to your resilience. This listener writes, how can we maintain intimacy with our partners during periods of high stress? I'm currently managing clinical depression, assisting a parent with cancer, dealing with a neighbor actively facing domestic violence, evacuating during a fire, and have co-workers who don't believe in wearing masks. It's been difficult to want to be close with my partner when fighting all these challenges. Springwash, I don't know if you have any thoughts for, for this listener about maintaining intimacy with partners during periods of high stress, or maybe Emiliana simon Thomas.
2: Yeah, that's really, yeah, it's really challenging, you know, all of these things together. And, um, you know, all I can say with that is that we are all experiencing something together. And we have to remember that it's impermanent, that, you know, in every relationship, you'll go through a cycle and, There's this is to be expected. I don't know that many couples that are really, (laughs) you know, some are, some are getting married, you know, some are having the time of their life. You know, we're all in these different realities here. But for many people, this is a time of a lot of emotion, a lot of reactivity. It's not usually a time of a lot of romance for certain people when they're depressed. It's just not. And, um, I'll just kind of echo a little bit on uh, what Tracy was saying, or she was framing it so beautifully. Again, it's to really work with our minds consciously, you know, and to understand that it's okay to experience emotion. That we're going to have emotions, sadness, uh, anxiety, love, happiness, joy, um, but be very mindful what we're feeding. It's different than, waking up and feeling sorrow, then feeding sorrow all day long, mm. or waking up and experiencing the raw energy of anger, or you see something and it's is anger. Okay, let me just feel that. Let me open to it. Let me even speak it out loud. It's very different than feeding anger all day long with our thoughts. You see, so mm. again, mindfulness has to be there, how we work with ourselves consciously.
0: Well, this listener asks, are there online forums for people to help each other? I've often wanted a walking partner for such internal work or thought about looking for a women's group in the pandemic and with the fires. Are those options online? And similar to that, this person asks: I'd like to know about affordable options for those needing to talk, whether there are sliding scale clinics for therapy or even free peer counseling programs. wonder if any of you have resources you'd like to share. Emiliana, Simon Thomas, anything come to mind right away?
1: Thanks so much. Um, At the Greater Good Science Center, we have lots of resources that uh, people can use to engage in various practices or activities or learn about the basic principles of well-being. We also have an online course called The Science of Happiness that is infused with many, many discussion threads. And uh, the questions that people are grappling with are really similar to the kinds of questions that we're hearing from our listeners on this show, Um, all of that is accessible to anyone for free, free of charge. Um, I do know that there are more deliberate, crowdsourced kind of therapeutic communities that are available online, um, although I am not an expert in that space, so I might ask Tracy to weigh in. Sure. But before, I wondered if I could just offer a really quick response to the resentment question that we Please. keep hearing. Um, and how do you deal with that urge to lash out when you see somebody who is not complying with with the um with the expectations that you have for what is right or fair or safe and i i think one of the important things to remember and this aligns with with what spring and tracy have been saying throughout the hour which is that part of this is being familiar with our own emotions and and what's true about anger is that when we feel it 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 drives us to look for blame. That, that's what happens. That's what it's evolved for. We're looking for what's getting in the way of our goals or our aspirations. And knowing that, knowing that about ourselves, that our threshold for blaming in the wake of an experience of anger is, is lower. It's just there, we, we, we're likely to blame somebody in a way that maybe is less than fully fair. And so we need to correct for that. And one way of correcting for it is really purposefully assuming good intent. If another person doesn't have a mask on, it's really easy to be like, it's because they're a jerk. It's because they're hateful. It's because they don't care. None of that is necessarily true. We have no evidence for that. And there's just as likely a chance that they have good intent for whatever they're doing at the time that they're doing it. Um, Part uh, Another idea that can help is is dwelling in or reflecting on common humanity. The fact that we're all in this together Mm. and uh, are collective potential like we're not going to solve this problem or this series of problems individually instead we have to uh fold into communities we have to coordinate our effort and cooperate being able to support the caller with the mental health challenge or question you know it's going to take policy level and structural level changes and that only occurs through many many voices and efforts coming together so again to, to i often the last thing would be to ask a question like why what Ask somebody who they are and what they're doing and where they're from rather than assuming that they're bad. So um, with that said, I'll pass the baton to Tracy.
0: Well, well, I would just quickly, though, like to say related to that is then how do we put into perspective our political situation? Because that seems to also be what's causing people stress, that people you know, blame or other things that are acting upon their emotional states. For example, Carol writes, the main stressor is political. Unless we have new federal leadership, nothing will change. We can't make this happen by meditation and exercise. Mindfulness will not save our democracy. Wendy writes, the uncertainty of COVID is exacerbated by a leader who doesn't have our best interests at heart. Bruno Bettelheim, a child psychologist, said when a child crosses the street, they need to feel that the adult holding their hands is competent and has her safety in mind. We are not children, but when we are afraid... The quality of leadership can help or hurt. So just quickly, Amelia, on assignment, Thomas, if you have any reactions to that.
1: The Greater Good Science Center has been running an initiative on bridging divides for the last several years. And on our website, we have a Bridging Differences Playbook, which is essentially a, a document that lists all the ways that we can, in purposeful and deliberate ways, engage with people who we see differently. We can we can have conversations that are productive, that lead us to a greater mutual understanding. It's not easy. It's not trivial. I am in the same boat of that tendency to just decide there's no way I'm ever going to be able to have a conversation that makes any sense with this person who thinks so differently than I. But that that outlook is really not gonna get us to where we wanna be. And so mm-hmm. we all can and should practice these skills of bridging divides, of learning about each other, of figuring out where we share common values because somewhere we do.
0: That's one way, Springwasher, many thoughts on this in terms of, you know, one of the comments was by mindfulness will not save our democracy. I think there's this sense of power, powerlessness or concern about a powerlessness.
2: Yeah. And I understand that initial gut response. You know, somebody might imagine everyone's just somewhere on the hills meditating while you know, Rome's burning. I'm a black woman, I understand these complexities and also the, the feelings. But I also ask people to take a higher view, a long term view. Um, maybe it's just my spiritual practices that have given me much more of a resilient heart. And a belief in justice. And I do believe we have a critical mass of people who are tuned in, paying attention, waking up. And uh, I believe that has tremendous power. You know, what we're healing here is consciousness itself. So I guess maybe I take that view and I would ask people to just give themselves some space. This is a cycle that comes and goes. Look at history. We've been here before. This is not new, you know, so we can we can do what we can. But if we don't resolve to somehow have a kind heart in all of this, we're perpetuating the violence we want to end. So, and you know, as a just, part of it.
0: Yes. And just very quickly, we have 30 seconds or so. I wonder if if you had any resources to share. And I'll also ask that of Dr. Foose.
2: Okay, yes, Um. Oh, I would just mention East Bay Meditation Center has all kinds of classes, workshops, programs, online, all generosity-based for mental health, for stress reduction, entry to mindfulness practice. It's really beautiful.
0: And Tracy Foose, resources you could point to.
2: I would actually too. say, I think the host that would have ticked off
3: my on my list have already been mentioned. Um, I'm trying to think of any to add, and I really, I'm at a loss.
0: My, my Well, no, I, I think we've had <laughs> quite a few things come up. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. Tracy Foose, a professor, clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of California, San Francisco. Thanks so much. Thank you. Also, Spring Washam, appreciate you being here as well. She is the author of A Fierce Heart Finding Strength, Courage and Wisdom in Any Moment. Emiliana Simon Thomas, Science Director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, thanks to you as well. Blanca Torres produced today's segment. Really appreciate our listeners for sharing their their questions, their thoughts also, their stories with us. I'm Mina Kim. Thanks for listening.
5: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Generosity Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.